Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. Good to be with you. Good to be back with you. Hope the holidays have been kind to you. Appreciate you joining us. Did it last hour. I'll mention it this hour. Pre-record today, but same day topics, same day as the show. So just mere hour, hour two before we would ordinarily go on. But we're trying to get geared up to head on down the road to Orlando to cover Florida State and Oklahoma. And on that note, another reminder, we're going to have a big block party. It's going to be a good time. The Jeff Cameron Show will be live in Orlando tomorrow afternoon from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Tom and myself head off to the Harry Buffalo. Should be a good time. Great name for a restaurant bar. That's just awesome. Harry Buffalo, 129 West Church Street. If you're headed to Orlando tomorrow or if you're listening and you're already over there, just know we're headed your way. We will be there doing the show live one to three afterwards, kind of a hangout, meet and greet, have a few beers, talk some football, talk about life and enjoy Florida State successes with each other. That builds into the battles in block party that they're having. Good to be a part of that. Great to partner with our friends at the battles in that is from 4 p.m. So again, an hour after we get off the air, 4 p.m. to 12 a.m., uh, as long as they're open, I think it's going to be a big block party. And they've got live music for you as well. Former FSU players will be be there. Uh, there's inside and outside bars. The weather, I'm sure, is going to be beautiful. Tyler Reeves going to play. Cole Taylor's going to play. And at the end of the night, I would assume Jake Owen is going to play. So we want to thank everybody who's involved in this. And obviously, that uh, is nice to join forces with the battles in. So we'll do that. Uh, it's an all-day fun time affair tomorrow uh, Allen Church Street. That is Wednesday, December the 28th and the 29th. We'll have the pregame show for you, and uh, I'll be heading on in with my two boys to watch the football game. Looking forward to that as well. Should be a good time, Florida State, Oklahoma. Now, at the end of the last hour, I mentioned that Florida State had an addition. We went the whole first hour without talking about it because we were looking at big picture stuff, but it actually fed right into this very talking point, which is that the manner with which Florida State is supplementing their roster and and they've needed to they've had to do it because they've been average in high school recruiting either because the staff isn't great uh at recruiting high school and in particular the state of florida also because they were hamstrung originally by not being able to build relationships thanks to covid all those things are true but i mean come on we're, we'll pass that point but it is a reason not necessarily an excuse bottom line is they've had to have a way to offset those deficiencies, and they've done it really well through the transfer portal. And it continues to be an area that they mine better than most, better than almost all, and they did it again over the weekend. That's right, huge portal pickup. Florida State landed the number one defensive tackle transfer in Braden Fisk, a young man from Western Michigan that was heavily sought after by Notre Dame and Southern Cal. Southern Cal's got a lot of money. Notre Dame's got a lot of money. 
it's a big damn deal to beat out Notre Dame and Southern Cal in the transfer portal market for the number one defensive tackle available in said portal. That's what Florida State did. That gets me to the larger point that we're having a discussion about, and that is, Tom, in the time we've been away from each other on this little mini holiday, you know, it's hilarious to watch South Carolina openly complain about tampering and Notre Dame complain that Florida State was able to outshine Notre Dame in the NIL game. Yeah. You have two se- – I sent you a note on that – two separate complaints from two Power 5 schools about Florida State getting in the way of their success. You're damn – Right. Look at that number. He's circling up there at 211K NIL value for Brandon Fisk. Listen, we all know that Florida State has announced their presence with authority when it comes to the collective game. There's no need to shy away from this. The battle's in is doing the Lord's work. You're seeing amazing transformations to this roster. It's an exciting time. It's also a statement. Now, we'll see if that's sustainable. We'll see where Florida State goes from here. We'll see how much better Florida State gets in recruiting the high school ranks. But for now, to have big-time schools complaining about Florida State publicly is a reason to celebrate. I'm telling you now, man, it is that's what you want. You want, you want, you know, New York Times article written about BB gun wars. You want things like that. Let's go. Start writing it all, everybody. It's an announcement with authority that we are back or that we're on the cusp of being back. And isn't that what this is all about? Come on now, that's a good few days for Florida State. Moreover, that acquisition, very necessary. We don't know if Fabian Lovett's coming back. I said last hour, I'm kind of leaning towards he's not. I don't know, he seems to change his mind hourly. It's a tough decision for the young man to make, I get it. But you've got to make sure that you cover your bases and you got out there and went and got you a huge defensive tackle that had a big, big year. You look at his PFF grades, you look at all that stuff, He is by far and away the guy that you would want to bring in on the defensive front. And I said this, Tom, last week, and I said it the week before. I've been saying it a lot lately because I've turned my attention to trying to compete for championships now. We're we're no longer buried face down in the muck. Now we see the world as it is in beautiful technicolor. We can go out there and say we are about to win it all. Well, how do you how do you say that? How do you say we're about to win it all? Well, you can only say that if you get infinitely better on the offensive and defensive lines. And we're doing that on the offensive line. Still got work to do there, but it's better and better and better. May even be really good next year. And we've got to continue to add big bodies plus players on the defensive line. So this pickup to me matters more than anybody else that you get, whether it's a receiver, running back, even a linebacker. I really love the trenches when we're getting the guys in there and that, that have played college football and succeeded in college football. You know it translates. You've seen them do it. That's a good feeling. Yeah, and it's the second for the defensive interior. Uh, first of all, you aged yourself with Technicolor there. I barely know myself what Technicolor is. <laughs> <laughs> Only because it was at the end of, like, movies that VHS. Correct, yeah, yeah. Dad, yeah. what's Technicolor? He's like, oh, well, Technicolor. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like the FM band being invented or something along those lines. I should have referenced AM radio, yeah. Yeah, uh, so when you combine the fact that you've got a transfer from Miami, and Daryl Jackson, and you get Braden Fisk. Fabian Lovett would be a nice retention. It would be very nice to have him back. But I think it's bordering on luxury at this point. It's bordering on luxury because you got guys like Josh Farmer, and we'll see what Malcolm Ray does next year, and then also 
that bevy of young talent that you really like in Lions and Thomas and Ayubami Tafasi. So you're set up there. Fabian Lovett would add that kind of depth that championship teams have, and I'm talking big-time playoff championship teams mm-hmm. have in the defensive interior. Would be really nice to get him back. But this was a take no matter what. This was a guy you go out and get no matter what. And I'm sure, I'm I'm confident that Braden Fisk and part of his decision-making process was, even though he's from the Midwest, when he went to South Bend, he said, this is a dump of a town. <laughs> You can't pay me enough. You can't pay me enough. Tax-free whatever write-off money that you have. You can't pay me enough yeah. to go to this dump of a town. I want, you know what? Because I'm in the Midwest, I want to get out of the Midwest. I'm tired of the cold. Tired of the cold. And I want to compete for a playoff. I want to compete for a conference championship. Last I checked, Notre Dame can't compete for a conference championship. I'd like to play in a conference championship game. So get me to warmer weather, a better program, and with a chance to play for a championship and I'm going to Florida state. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. His choices being Notre Dame, Southern Cal and Florida state. I just can't reiterate it enough. I mean, Southern Cal is a warm weather option. Yeah. They that's, have... that's the bigger one. That yeah. is, that's the one that raises my eyebrows more yeah. than, than Notre Dame it, because they are invested in the fight. Oh, big time. USC is going nowhere. They're on. And what I mean is they're not going away. Uh, That is a program that will be omnipresent in the playoff chase uh, annually now that they've decided as a university, along with their collectives, to be all in on their head coach, their quarterback, and everything else that they have working for them in Hollywood. They've got massive brands that have bought into what they're doing. So, yeah, they're going to be around for a long time to come, and he had an opportunity. They they pursued him, uh, and at the end of the day, he came to Florida State. I think all things being equal. Now, L.A. is not for everybody, by the way. I understand that. So some kids might go out there and say, this is too much. I don't like this. I wouldn't have been one of them. I would have happily gone to L.A., but, but that's just an aside. Uh, probably would have been problematic. But, 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 but <laughs> yeah, you're nodding your head. Yeah, and you don't want me out in L.A. That's, that's, a, that's a daily distraction. Uh, we got issues. But, but I, would, I would just say this. Uh, what it tells me, isn't that we outbid USC? Maybe we did. I, I don't know what the number was. Uh, and I haven't asked. I just am happy we got them. It tells me that all things being equal, let's say Florida State's in the ballpark, and they would have had to have been in the ballpark. I don't care how much you don't want to go to LA. If if one's offering you 500 grand and another's offering you 100 grand, you're going to take the 500 grand if you got any sense to you whatsoever, unless you're independently wealthy. So to me, this tells me once again, he was impressed with Mike Norvell. He was very impressed with the culture. He was very impressed. He talked about Hagen's. That's awesome because who doesn't love Odell? But he also brought up Mike Norvell and Mike Norvell's passion. I'm telling you, this guy is our greatest asset when it comes to recruiting this portal. Yeah. People buy in quickly to where he's at emotionally and mentally and where this program's headed. So bravo. Does Mike have weaknesses? Yes. I don't want you to get the wrong idea, guys, out there listening every time I praise him that I'm like somehow walking around with blinders on that I don't see that there are areas that he has to get better in. There are. I'm just merely going to highlight in the areas in where it is succeeding greatly for Florida State, especially after a good season and after an acquisition. And listen, offensively, Florida State's going to have one of the better offenses in the country next year. Mike is in charge of that offense and calls plays on game days. And then we dominate in the transfer portal. That's largely because of Mike Norvell. Yeah, and that's the thing that, you know, I'd rather approach it this way than say, I think this guy needs to be fired (laughs) or replaced. 
But if Mike can find another Mike Norvell to be an assistant on this coaching staff and go hit the trail, I mean, what would that do to elevate what we are as a high school recruiting entity? Because when kids get here or when he goes to living rooms or, or high schools to check off those limited visits that he can have and interactions that he can have with players, they all love it. And Alex Atkins is doing a very similar job. Yes. But I think if Mike could clone him. Oh, Lord, my dog. <laughs> Go ahead. It's bit, you know, inspiration. Dogs holler at inspiration. And so if Mike could clone himself and be an assistant on this staff, he would be far and away the number one recruiter on the staff. So that's the key. And I'm going to go solo here because that's just left the screen. But the number one thing that I want to see moving forward for this staff, to you podcast listeners and radio listeners out there, is how do they get better in high school recruiting? Is it more so for the reason that they now have something to sell, which is a winning product on the football field for the first time in forever? Or is it because they have to make personnel changes? And that's what, to me, 2023 is going to be about as you look at that next class that's upcoming mm-hmm. is, is the lead storyline. I hear you're unmuted. Is the lead storyline more about, look at this. They actually have a product for the first time and the transfer portal helped them get to that proof of concept stage. Yeah, I think so. Or is it that they have to cut bait on a couple of guys and that is what pushes Florida State to that next level to where they could be in the top dozen, top 10, top eight in terms of high school recruiting classes. I don't know that you need to be in this day and age with the portal top three at all times. I think at this point that might be a market inefficiency when you're talking about how much NIL money you have to dole out to even be in the top three. But you can't be 20th. You can't be 18th. That that can't cut it anymore. Yeah, I, it's such a conundrum because, Tom, I, Alabama and Georgia, where you want to go, Ohio State, Soon to be Southern Cal. I know they didn't even win the Pac-12 this year, but you understand. I think Texas is on the cusp of, of coming up like this. Uh, we'll see. We've been saying that forever in a day. But He's a game day problem, is Sark. But yeah, yeah, he is. He is. Um, but they had a very successful run here in this at the end of the season in terms of getting players. Um, but, but, okay, so the I, I guess here's what I'd say. If you have created – a culture that is sustainable because it is rooted in the things that are about merit and about, you know, truth and about the way that you relate to kids and forge relationships and the way they relate to each other and buy into a program and the way you build together all of the things that great uh, cultures produce and, and, and are described as if you have that, then you are less inclined to have to deal with the year-end over year-end problem of paying, repaying, paying again. Roster retention is real for everybody, but you don't see those elite programs building this way. They build primarily through high school recruiting. Yes, but I would say that's the legacy of a system that, you know, um, that is changing. That doesn't exist anymore. Because if, if you're upper class laden as a Georgia or Ohio State, NIL didn't exist when these kids were coming out of high school. So that is correct. The one thing I'd say, I agree with you. It's almost like, you know, let's just say hypothetically, Coach K had to cheat his ass off to get Duke to where it is. Hypothetically, of course. Hypothetically speaking, once he got there, he didn't have to cheat his ass off anymore. That's correct. Because he is Duke. It recruits itself. Yes. It recruits itself at some point because you see the greater goal of making more than you could ever in NIL and NFL money. 
NFL is greater than NIL. So let me go there, increase my chances for the big payday rather than this menial money that I'll go from one four or five loss program to another. My argument is, though, that in order for Florida State at present, and by at present, I mean the next two or three recruiting cycles, to be top three, they'd have to spend so much damn money. It does. It would cause culture issues, and you just don't have the brand reputation at this point to go there. Because I, I, unless you're Alabama or Georgia, who has established themselves, Ohio State, as a factory, you don't have that payoff yet. We're not no. there yet. So I, I think that sweet spot is probably, in terms of the amount of money you have to invest from NIL, and then your reputation is probably seven to twelve, depending upon a given year. For, but I will, for now. But I will guarantee. I'll say this now, and it can. We'll go back and revisit it. I could be really wrong. I think that the year-to-year changes, as to your point of emphasis, when you're a program on the come, is an interesting follow. Alabama is Alabama. It recruits itself. You just got done saying it. That's accurate. Georgia is trying to win back-to-back national championships. They are recruiting themselves. It's just, that's a beacon. You know, if you're a good player, an elite player, you want to go play there because you can win championships. That still matters to kids too, I think. Like going somewhere where I can win a a ring is a big deal. It still matters. All right, so until you're one of those places, I hear you, you got to kind of figure it out. You got to balance it, supplement it. You got to do all those things until you become that kind of recognizable brand. But I also think that for Florida State to get to that point to where they could recruit on their successes, the nine and three season that we just had. Yes, you had to be way more reliant. As you move further away from that and you sustain success, you're going to become more reliant on the high school ranks. And I believe, personally, I believe there will be a greater point of emphasis collectively by Mike Norvell and his staff and perhaps the independent collectives that will somehow, through telepathy, understand that Mike wants to recruit better in high school next year there will be a bit greater point of emphasis on those kids, especially the elite players in the state of Florida. You can't just let Miami and Florida gobble those kids up. It can't happen. You'll get surpassed. I don't care how successful you are in the portal. You will get lapped. Yeah, and Florida's in trouble right now, too. The the late momentum, or lack thereof, that they had in terms of every key recruiting battle, it seems like, and then the attrition of the guys leaving their program. I mean – how is it that they have one of the best offensive lines in the country? Nobody wants to be a part of it anymore. Like, that's really strange. The quarterback situation with Mertz, uh, that, that's an interesting situation that's developing there. Miami is here to stay, I think, in terms of garnering talent over the next two to three years more than Florida is. Life while it'll run out of money or they'll stop caring to spend in a couple of years. But for right now, they seem to be more of a fixture. Billy's got some issues right now in Gainesville. <laughs> I think Billy's a good coach, though, and I do think he'll create the culture the way that Mike did here, and so that will lure kids in. They still ended up with a good class, and I I do think that they'll end up being more successful over time because I like him more as a coach. Oh, sure. Uh, No doubt. But also, well, okay, it will be fascinating. There are so many, I think, variations of this debate. (laughs) I just think because every time we talk about do you invest more in high school recruiting moving forward now that you've gotten on your own two feet and you can provide for yourself? Or do you embrace the more modern balance that we're seeing with the transfer portal uh, married to the high school ranks and, and, and filling needs for the immediacy to offset any growth uh, delays or anything that you may have within your own roster? 
Or do you do what Miami did if you've got a billionaire who's willing to spend it and just shower kids with money the way Texas A&M did and the way Miami did? It's fascinating because I think for Cristobal, this year, obviously, that is a home run. Those kids signed. That is an elite recruiting class. They got a ton of good players. But how good can those players be right now? Because they got to be. They got to be because you said it earlier, and you're right. This all dries up. And I'm not talking about the money, but the popularity and the buzz. Let them go out there and suck again next year. Again. And then the infighting starts with who's getting paid and who's not getting paid. And by the way, am I recruiting over that kid that I just brought in for $700,000? Am I going to bring in another kid at his same position next year? Cause that kid couldn't hit the field fast enough and doesn't look like he's ready to for another year. Do I recruit over him right now and get this kid? And then what do I got to pay him? And how soon does this become a toxic locker room all over again? It's just a fascinating debate. And there are so many variations of it. Every time I think I believe one thing, something else happens to make me think, eh, maybe that's not true. The truth is, ultimately, you have to do better in the high school ranks. We agree on that. To what degree is probably the debate? To, to what degree is probably uh, the overall debate? Yeah, I, I think while, while the rules are the way they are currently, I think this method that they're you know looping in is fine. I, I think it's, it's absolutely fine. It's just... It, the problem, I wonder what the first problem they'll face will be. Will it be that market forces dictate that transfers that are higher profile are going to be more expensive next year? And so therefore we're in for a tussle or is it going to be that the rules change first? You know, that that's going to be what, what I wonder, how does Florida state run into competition? Is it because the market forces say, screw you, uh, you know, now Alabama realizes that they've got to dip in or Dabo. Uh, comes off his uh, his pulpit and decides that they need to inject some actual money into the transfer portal and uh, not build the program as much in God's name, image, and likeness. Like, what's that going to be? Because to me, I, I think it's really valuable to have a kid who has no more freebie transfers left be on your campus. You, there is so much less sweat equity you have to put into roster retention as a coach when it comes to motivation. And you got to check in on a kid every 10 10- freaking minutes. I almost said something different because you're worried that the 18 year old who's a true freshman is pissed that he's not on the field immediately. Sam McCall. So how many Sam McCalls can you stand before you're using valuable resources and time on that part of the equation rather than trying to win a damn football game? That's why I like the portal uh, beyond the fact that the film is more reliable too. Yeah. They're, they're hamstrung. Once they're here, that's it. You're not going anywhere, pal. Right. (laughs) Not without serious repercussions. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply the cameron show is a production of the warchant.com multimedia network
Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Something interesting happened in the league, Tom. Two things I want to talk about with the National Football League from over the weekend and again last night. But if you go back a long ways uh, to... Pretty early in the Jeff Cameron show, uh, uh, canon of shows, if you will, you will uh, you'll note that uh, I have had a sustained belief, for the most part, that I, I think there have been some caveats, but a pretty sustained belief that if you see evidence that a team has outright quit on their coach at any point that there's no coming back from it, and that at that point, you're probably going to need to move on. If you have options, you're going to need to move on. And it happened in the National Football League over the weekend. Nathaniel Hackett got fired in year one in Denver. Year one. Uh, That is a stunning turn of events, and I think that we've seen for some time that's where a lot of this is headed. In a weird way, Florida State was ahead of ahead of its uh, time when they fired Willie Taggart early. It led to other coaches being fired early that same year, by the way. And now I don't think people are all up in arms if a coach gets fired after two and a half years anymore. Like if there's evidence that something's a train wreck, people are like, yeah, that ain't going to get better. He never won him over. It's not going to work. Nathaniel Hackett watched his team against that Rams team, give up a touchdown on every, or oh, points, I should say, on every single drive of the game, except for the last drive when they took a knee. That was the only time that Denver got a stop was, well, I say Denver got a stop. The only time uh, Denver didn't give up points was the last drive when they took a knee. And I thought to myself when I saw that final score, 51 to 13 or whatever it was, I thought, I wonder if they'll fire him. I wonder if they'll sit there in upper management and do what I do and think, well, you know, it's rather impossible to give up points on every single drive of the game unless you're not trying to get stops, unless you're just going through the motions these are NFL football players. And oh, by the way, Denver's defense has been great all year long. And all of a sudden, they can't get a stop to save their life? Come on now. You knew damn well you were watching a team completely quit on their coach. Completely give it up. Just say, that's it. That's all. We're done here. I'm not buying it. You're full of it. This is awful. I'm not going to try real hard here. Let's just get me to the offseason so I can go play golf. And they did it. They fired his ass. They did. They adhered to the Jeff Cameron rule, which is if you catch a coach having been quit on, completely quit on, there ain't no coming back. You got to let it ride. You got to get that guy up out of here. And they did. That's the first thing I wanted to talk about. And then the second part was you and I in a moment, we'll talk about Derwin's hit. He was ejected in last night's Chargers win against the hapless Colts, whose offense, oh, my goodness gracious. But uh, that said, how about that? One year, fired. Yeah, I, I think 
it's hard to know why they quit would be the way I posited. You can't get rid of Russell Wilson. You've tied the next 15 years of your franchise in terms of the financial implications to Russell Wilson. Because when this experiment is over, you're going to have to rebuild for a couple of years at minimum. Um, I wonder if he shut down on Russell because Russell sucks or uh, can't be told what time it is and what he needs to do because he's got a reputation for that behind the scenes, which is you can't tell him anything. And the team sees that they're not going anywhere. And this guy has completely, you know, overturned the locker room. We've got all kinds of discord and screw it. What the hell am I here for? So that's me wondering aloud. Is this a direct quit on the head coach? Is it an indirect quit on the head coach because the quarterback is such a large issue that who even gives a damn? Or is it both? And they oh, they can't get rid of both. They're t- who, who wants Russell Wilson right now? Who the hell wants that guy? So I, I wonder what the, the inner workings are. But what I will say, objectively speaking, is I have I've seen a lot of bad clock management and a lot of game management issues in my time covering college football and the pros. I don't know at the NFL level I've ever seen something quite like week one with Seattle and Denver. I don't know that I've ever seen anything quite like that as poorly as Hackett managed that situation. And he's regarded as a really, really smart NFL mind as well, which is what makes it even more baffling. It's really weird. I remember listening to a podcast and there was a former NFL player who was freshly out of the league saying, man, I really like Paul Hackett. I mean, a, a lot of guys do. But you know what? It's a classic moment where some people are coordinators and not head coaches, and it feels like he's not a head coach because they he obviously he lost this team. He never got Russell Wilson. Now, Russell is a mercurial and difficult person to deal with and probably as fake as they come and all of those things. I think the other thing that spelled doom here for Nathaniel is uh, that is a new ownership group. That is the the Walton group uh, that came in there, the Walmart heirs and all that. I, I think that they just decided, okay, well, you know, we just bought this team. I'm not going to sit around and watch this ass suck for the next three years. We're, we're, we're done. We're, let's start fresh here. Um, and, and that's the thing. If you're not their guy or if you are, uh, if you were hired under weird circumstances, even if it were by them, but they felt hurried because they had just gotten in there, okay, you can see how it can happen. I do think they're in trouble, though, because I think that Russell Wilson has continued to reveal himself at these press conferences as borderline unstable. Um, and I know people would say, well, what do you mean? He seems buttoned up. And not, not, that's all an act, guys. He's a mess. That dude's um, – that doesn't feel real, does it? It doesn't feel real. No, where was he in Dallas when, uh, you know, Kennedy was uh, – <laughs> <laughs> I feel like <laughs> – there's there's there there is an underlying like what in the hell is going on with this guy yeah i won't play that video clip again of him you know doing the subway read with the batman score but i don't think that's too far (laughs) that there's things he says and and maybe people who wanted to befriend russell wilson he just moved into denver the neighbors Mm -hmm. you know they go over and they're like oh my god i'm in russell wilson's house and then within a half an hour they go Hun, we gotta go. We gotta go. This, this guy's is nuts. Yeah. He he loves Madame Tussauds a little too much. That yeah, it's just a, a weird guy that's borderline dangerous, and I don't mean that with a pun for his nickname. Like just legitimately, 
Something's up with that dude, and Denver doesn't like it, whatever that is. There's a weird disconnect. Well, players can see through fake, so that's the problem you have, too. It's like you've got a disgruntled you know, group of players. The coach is not connecting. They're losing games. They can't score. This guy's making $200 million. He's fake as they come. Can't relate to him. Every week I have to listen to this clown after he goes, you know, for 12 points. You know, <laughs> it's so- – that reminds me, and this is where he showed his true colors a little bit. I think you probably know where I'm going. Super Bowl two years ago, down in Tampa, he was awarded was the Walter Payton Man of the Year. I forget yeah. when he was awarded. Yeah, it was something big, yeah. And remember him sitting in the in the owner's uh, yeah the suite, the owner's yeah. suite, and he had this scowl on his. He face was disgusted that that he wasn't the guy on the field. I think, or that he wasn't in Tom Brady's situation where Tom has basically the run of the mill, whatever it is, he looked like he wanted to be anywhere else. And in, I, I don't know any other public appearance in Russell Wilson's history where a camera has caught him with that particular look on his face. In fact, some would argue, I think p- proponents of Russell, that he's incapable of looking like that. But once I saw that in the Super Bowl, yeah, I said, yeah. uh-huh, uh-huh, and there it is. That is in him, and I'll bet you that's who the hell that guy is 90% of the damn time when the cameras aren't on. Yeah, it was strange. It was really strange. Derwin got kicked out of last night's game. He also had a spectacular interception, and you're reminded of the athleticism. I told the boys last night, Tom, after that interception, we were watching the game in which he recovered. He made a mistake on that play. He recovers beautifully, makes the catch, gets the, the foot and the knee down. I said, do you guys remember you stood right behind him at uh, not Urban Air, but whatever the other jump house is that used to be on Pensacola Street? I can't ever remember the name of that place, but uh, that place that's no longer there. And uh, we went over there that first week when Derwin was here at Florida State. And, you know, everybody knew he was a five-star kid. Everybody knew he was a beast. Everybody knew he was a superstar athlete and all those things. He was right in front of us. And I watched him jump almost to hit his head on the roof of that building and hammer on the goal and i was like please don't get hurt why are you here don't i didn't say that to him but i was thinking it don't don't no derwin don't do this but the level of athleticism was so extreme like everybody else who fancies themselves a decent athlete loves to be able to do the thing where you bounce you grab the ball you're 12 feet in the air hammering it. but as you get older you're like yeah i'm probably gonna shatter my knees when i come down here i don't want to do all. even the best young athletes didn't come close to what Derwin was doing. He did some 360 between his legs. He was in the air for an hour. It was the silliest thing ever. And all I remember, and I said that to the kids, I said, that was the guy. That was the guy that I told you is a freak and would be playing in the league someday, knock on wood. Well, there it was. All right, now to the hit. You guys know how I am about these hits. I believe that 99% of the time, there is no such thing as targeting. There's not. At least is it pertains to intent certainly and also just the nature of the game with angles and speed and violence you're gonna that's why you wear helmets kids why you wear helmets because they're gonna hit but i know what they're trying to legislate out of the game so i did a i did a 180 on this thing tom i started out by yelling at the tv that's not targeting because the slow motion replay shows he is leading with a shoulder however the more i looked at it the more i realized Yeah, that is the exact hit they're trying to remove from the game. And here's what he could have done. And I'm finally going to side on the league side here of safety. He did have enough time to try to hit lower. 
So where you would argue that he does not launch and he doesn't, and where he does not lead with the crown of his helmet, because Troy Aikman was wrong on that. He did not lead with the crown of his helmet. He did hit above the neck. And if you're going to try to avoid contact above the shoulders, you can hold a player responsible in positions where you note that he had a whole target. I mean, he had targets. He could have hit his ribs, could have hit his waist. If you go in with the intent to wrap and to hammer, okay, so like to try to break ribs, like you could still be a mean SOB and hit somebody with the intent to intimidate or hurt or, you know, whatever that might be. But in that situation, your goal has to be that I'm going to hit this massive target from the knee to the upper chest. If he goes in with that intent, he's not thrown out of the game. And I think that's what they're trying to get guys to think about. So that's fair. All right. So two things here. Number one, I think I'm putting on your hat, uh, your, your other hat. Yeah. Which is he has coverage responsibilities that he's passing off as the ball is being thrown. There's a guy that's coming at him that he's mm-hmm. leaving to go mm-hmm. make a play on the ball. So he might not have his natural amount of steps that he he's he's out of control is what I'm he's saying because flying. he's got a responsibility that he's trying to account for, and that's not a, a third and ten. That that is a, that is a short yard line to gain. So he's got to get there now. And so if he doesn't have the time to size it up and get calculated. It's because he's going 100 miles an hour trying to make a play at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. So that would be the reason I think that perhaps he is not hitting shoulder to hip. It's because he's got to get there now, and however I get there is how I'm going to get there. So that's where I don't blame him. Secondly, correct, the principal point of contact, while a little bit high, on the player's end, on the defender's end, is not the crown of the helmet. It's the shoulder. So I would not have... I wouldn't have penalized it. Hell, I, I would not have ejected him. That I think that's crazy. The NFL never ejects anybody. You're going to get rid of him for that? I may have I may have penalized him and not inject, ejected him. They don't eject anybody for anything. How is that going to, to rise to the level of ejection? Because I think crazy. they believe that there was intent, and I don't. See, that's where I would disagree with them. I think they believe there was intent there. I also think they believe he had time. And I that's where I can F that. Uh, (laughs) if he was if he had no other responsibility and it's almost like a kickoff return where it's i'm on you you're on me Mm -hmm. and that's where he goes 100 percent. but the the context of the play is he has a coverage responsibility that he's leaving to go make a play so it's not like it's a one-on-one situation it's a i see the i need to go make a play now and it's a short yardage. Again, but I don't think I don't think the receiver did the thing that I always loathe, which is okay. I'm catching a pass and I'm angling here, or it's thrown poorly and I have to duck. And now I've already got a guy who's decided to hit my hip, but now I'm at hip level. Yeah. I don't think that happened. I think he was upright and he still got hit in the head. <laughs> Just- yeah, so now here here's the thing. This is where I would come to the other side and make an argument: is if if you want to handle this issue you've got to rebrand what it is you're flagging because to me, I don't think it's about defending or, or protecting a receiver. It's about protecting the aggressor here. I think you've got to flip yeah. it on its head. Well, it, Derwin hurt himself on that play. You saw he was concussed. Correct. Because he did drop his helmet. That's yeah. the problem that I have with it is he did drop his helmet. That's probably what Troy saw. Troy yeah. hits upside the head so many times. It's remarkable. He can even do what he does right. uh, at, for 20 odd years now. He's actually good at it. I think. 
I agree. I agree. And he's blunt when he needs to be, which I appreciate. So many guys dance around what they want to say. He's also pro player. He's not one of these guys who's always calling for people to get kicked out. He'll always say, like, even when quarterbacks get drilled, he's like, well, that seems legal to me. You know I mean? He's, right. yeah. It, it's targeting implies intent as a call. Targeting implies malice on the part of the defender. Yes. I don't think it's – I agree with you. I don't think it's malice 90% of the time. Not. Bowling Green had a guy who had malicious intent yesterday and wasn't even thrown out for targeting because the quarterbacks were getting hit late. And he said, enough of this nonsense. Uh, uh, Matthew Thomas on Brad Kaya. Right. Oh, there was intent there. And oh, there could have been. Yeah. But you got to go. So that's that's understandable. In most of these situations, there is no intent. So to me, I think you've got a message, the emphasis, that we're trying to protect you from paralyzing yourself, defender. We are trying to protect you. We're not worried about the concussion as much as we're worried about you putting yourself in danger. The moment you lower your helmet to a place that I don't care if that's the principal point of contact, you are putting your body in danger. So we're going to change the name from targeting to something else, dangerous hit, something akin to that. And if you put yourself in danger, you got to go because you don't know how to properly execute tackle. I, think I also way to I, message this. I also okay. Th- you are on the right path here because I would also say put the point of emphasis on form tackling, as in your goal whenever you're trying to tackle is to wrap. Yeah. If your goal is to wrap, then you can't make that hit because yeah. you could you you could be, uh, if if the rule is I have to wrap. Yeah. Like in rugby, that is the rule. In rugby, you can't just go flying in with your head. You have to wrap. So if they did that, you know. Joe Paterno was nuts, and he allowed for child rape at Penn State. But he once said, take the helmets off. You won't have to worry about any of this. But his his point is true. I mean, if if I know that I'm going to hit your head with my head on the angle that I'm on, I'm going to do everything in my power to get to where I can wrap you and roll you over or slam you down. I don't want your head to hit my head. So you got to – because I don't think there is intent most of the time agreed. I would put the point of emphasis is we want to wrap – and we want to avoid anything high. And then I would also say that we're allowed to look at this thing. If the guy changes his trajectory based on a yes. poorly thrown ball or an angle, then we're like, you know what? We're just playing football out here. That's why we have helmets on. Well, and, and I think that's the other emphasis. And I know that we're running a little short on time. But yeah. these officials most times, is like they're, they're incompetent officials. There's no doubt. There are dudes who suck at their job or too old and too slow to be in position to make the call because it's all about being in position. It's 90% of officiating. But a lot of times they are told from the higher ups. Yes, you got to flag this. Yes. This is what you've got to do. So mm-hmm. sometimes they're the messenger that we're killing. And not and the real problem is at yes. the office, not actually on the field. Completely agree on that. And and that is true. And I've talked to officials who've said that. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Wrap it up, Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV. Good times, lots of talk, and not much time left in this show. Our friends at Tub Talk, pinch a penny, fire away, Tommy. It's time for Tub Talk. Brought to you by Pinch-A-Penny Pools and Spas. Buy yourself the hot tub you've always wanted at the price you've always wanted from Pinch-A-Penny on Greer Street. Now, it's live to the tub. 
Think of all those poor people that did not get their hot tub this holiday season and how frustrated they are as we sit here in our glorious hot tub experience. If you didn't get a hot tub and you really wanted one, yell at those closest to you about how they failed you and race to pinch a penny and get you a new hot tub and say, see, I'll rectify this situation. You can get a two-person hot tub. You can get a big old family hot tub and everything in between. Priced right, delivered to your house, make it happen, pinch a penny, 50 different hot tubs on the floor for you to take a look at. There's no way you can't find the one that you want. That is tub talk for today. It's brief. It's also to mention that while in the tub, it's a good time to enjoy the Tallulah products that you and I know and love. They are everywhere. They abound. It is CBD. It is Delta 7, 8, 9. It is mushrooms. It is THC. It is floating away in the pod. It is all the goodness of a relaxed holiday season. That is Tallulah. And by the way, this is true. No matter where I go in town, I've discovered there's a Tallulah. There's one on the corner. There's another one over there on that corner. There's another one in Midtown. Now I'm in Thomasville Road, and I just came across a Tallulah. Next thing you know, I'm at the old Soto, and that's a Tallulah. Then I'm getting a Cava drink over here off of Monroe. And now the next thing I know, I'm over here in Bannerman Square, and there's some more Tallulah. It's everywhere. You really have no excuses. I think in 2023, you might be the calmest version of yourself on the golf course if uh, you implement Mm. some of these tools when you play. I watched Ernie Els swing a club from an overhead view, like behind an overhead, so you can see how much turn there is or where his hands are at the top of the backswing. And Tom, I saved the video because from for this point forward, I'm going to watch it before every round of golf we play together. It is the simplest way to realize it's not nearly as complicated as your brain is making it out to be. That big, beautiful man barely turns a lick. He raises his hands to the slot. He stops and he progresses and then opens towards target. That's all it is. It is here. It's not long. It is right here, and it is back down. It's like your guy from Japan on Instagram. That guy guy makes everything look glorious, doesn't he? I can watch every one of his drives. It's like watching somebody. I don't fish, but like with the perfect cast. You're like, oh, "Oh, look at that. I know. It's glorious. We will be in Orlando tomorrow's show, 1 to 3, live at the Harry Buffalo on Church Street. Afterwards, we will be joined by our friends, not just the War Chant staff. We'll be there for the meet and greet good times at the Battle's End as well. They will be hosting a big block party. So all day, basically, you want to be around your fellow Knowles. We will be there tomorrow, 129 West Church Street for the Jeff Cameron Show. War Chant staff meet and greet, Battle's End block party, live music all the way to midnight. That's the place to be. Do not miss it. Tommy, I will see you tomorrow. Safe travels to all of you. We will talk to you tomorrow from Orlando. Going to be a good time. Can't wait. Feel so soon. Peace.